Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Mitch. Now I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And today we have a returning guest, Aram Vartian of the God's Fall podcast, is back with us today. And we are going to be talking about the death of a god in your homebrew worlds and the consequences of when a god dies. It's a really fascinating episode. We hope that you get many ideas from it. But of course, before that, Neil, we have some five-star reviews. We do. And the first one comes from Zelnar225 and is entitled, Helps with Sanity at the Table. Five stars. The show is really helpful. If my brain needs some good stimuli, I put on my headphones and listen to this. Uh, I, I, I'm going to try and get through this without laughing. The show has prevented me from randomly killing my characters because they <laughs> act like complete idiots. Thanks, DMs Block. I mean, uh, I don't know. If we, I mean... I feel like that, if we're going to pick a review to put on our website, it's this one. Like, just put it <laughs> right on the front page. Just uh, in the quotation marks. like. Mm-hmm. So like thank a you, Zelnar225, for that awesome uh, review. Thank you so much. And our next one comes from Mick Mainza, and it's entitled, Enjoying the Podcast. I am an old school player. I spent every Saturday afternoon during college, 1983 to 1987, playing AD&D. I still have my original player's handbook from then. Recently, I decided to get back into the game and picked up the classic Dungeon Master's Guide and Monster Manual via auctions. I ran across your podcast and am enjoying it immensely. Slowly but surely, I am working my way through from both ends, new episodes and original ones. As someone who game mastered for Champions, the superhero RPG, for many years. I like your take on topics that can really be applied to most RPGs in general, too. Good work. And that's from Martin. So thank you so much, Martin. We appreciate that review. We are glad to always hear that uh, we are appealing to new and old gamers alike. Yes. Thank you. So the next one comes from Dragon's Blood Curry, which sounds awful. (laughs) And it is entitled Perfect. But like P-U-R-R, like a cat. I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you. And it's short and sweet. Finding inspiration after 20 years in the hobby is priceless. Love your work. So thank you. And I'm, I hope that there was some inspiration in those 20 years, but if not, we're here for you now. Well, thank you so much, Dragon Blood Curry, uh, for that review. Uh, and with that, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. <laughs> Welcome back to the meat. Today we are joined by a special guest. He has been on the show before and we're really excited to get him back on the show to once again talk about amazing ideas for your homebrew worlds. Uh, welcome back Aram Vartian, GM and creator of God's Fall and founding member of Neon Rival. Yes. Thank you for having me. 
Hi, guys. Hey, we're glad to have you back. It's been way too long. I know Neil's had a time with you on DMnastics, but we have not had you on the DMB for far too long. I also had the joy of having him run me in the Endless Temple at a catacon. That was so much fun. Oh, so, so good. So, at the risk of creating another podcast, Aram, I'm going to ask <laughs> you a question. What have you been working on lately? I've been working on a couple things. I've been helping, not helping, I've been working with a lot of these new people I've met in Chicago who are all actors and improvisational people, basically. And there's this amazing improv scene in Chicago. And with them, I've joined this D&D podcast called The Dungeon Rats, which is a lot more comedic than anything I've ever done before. So that's been terrifying. And we've uh, basically formed a podcasting collective called Neon Rival, where we hope to expand and add new shows in the future. We've also been invited by uh, D&D to run a group through the jungles of Chult for Tomb of Annihilation. And that's been probably the best show I've been involved in so far. If we're just talking on production value, the players are amazing. But the production value on this has been incredible because it's everything I've learned up until date combined with Carlos Luna's ability to generate basically entire audio sound tracks. So he writes music from the beginning to the end of every single episode we release. It's completely original audio. It's it's spectacular. Yeah. So if I mean, if you want to hear us at our best, I would check out our run through Tomb of Annihilation. We've got three episodes up now, and we're going to start to release more next month. Awesome. So much Crazy. going on, yeah. especially since the last time uh, you've been on the show. <laughs> It's been a lot. It's been a crazy year. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll have you definitely at the end tell our listeners where exactly they can go to see and hear all of that uh, so they sure. can check that out. So, Aram, as uh, you probably know, we have a surprise question for you, although you don't know what this question is. So this question comes from one of our Patreon dragons from DM Pax. And DM Pax asks, what would be the most infuriating creature or pest from the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons to have infest your home. Mm, I want to say kobolds from back. <laughs> Anything? Okay, no, no. The one that it's. I think it's a lurker, right? The one where mm. it just lives on the ceiling and you never oh, see gosh. it and you never look up because it's your home. So every time you walk in, you're gonna get attacked by you know a lurker and never remember <laughs> it's there. So it's gonna be that. It'd be a lurker every time you're looking for your keys and it's gonna descend on you. That would be the most uh, frustrating. But it never kills you. It just like kind of scratches you up and like you're like, it's like a big dog. Why can't you just kill me? Come on. (laughs) You're putting me through constant torture. Exactly. But it knows it needs you. It does. It needs a hug. I would totally pick a gibbering mouther. Oh, God. That'd be annoying. But you you wouldn't be sane long. So it lasts like a week. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, eventually you just start liking it. Right. Like it'd have to be something it have to be something that you would have to live with. Like it can't be a gelatinous a cube because you'd be dead when you went down the wrong hallway. So it'd have to be something that you would be forced to live with like a cockroach. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like pixies or or something. And now I'm just picturing like a small gelatinous cube uh that acts like a Roomba, but instead of like cleaning right. your house, it just like slowly destroys it. <laughs> right. Just dissolving a tooth a brush. Yep. I need that. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, DM Pax, for that question. Thank you, Aram, for that awesome answer. Let's start jumping in and talking about what we came here to talk about today. Today, uh, we are talking about the death 
of a god, something that, Aram, I know you are very familiar with. And so this was something that we decided we wanted to talk about as far as lore for a homebrew world, what happens when a god dies. And so I guess the first thing we should talk about, because sometimes with lore, it's not even possible, but how does a god end up dying? That's a good question. I mean, if we're going by Dungeon and Dragons rules in general, that gods are kind of treated like artifacts, like the only thing that can kill a god is another god or something a god has devised. And then there's yeah. different rules for where a god dies. If it dies on the, yeah. on the material plane, it just goes home. You have to like follow the god home to its own plane and kill it on its plane to make sure it's dead. Most of the times, gods can't die. So I think it's interesting when stories are written where gods can die and gods do die, at, at least, you know, more than like one, which is usually what you get. And then that <laughs> god gets replaced immediately. Because I, th I think, again, with fantasy, the problem is that gods represent ideas and concepts more than they represent religious orders. There's the god of love or the god of war or the god of light. And these concepts will exist beyond the god unless you're just going to turn them off as soon as the god dies. So it's difficult to kill a god because it's hard to kill one of these ideas. Yeah, I think that, like you said, it's there's especially with D&D, &D, like there's this built up, oh, it needs to fit into these certain parameters, like the the having to be killed on its home plane. Like you might defeat a god. You might, as like four level 20 PCs, defeat a god uh, on the material plane, watch it like, fall to its knees and then crumble before you and think that you have ultimate victory. But really what's happening is it's just returning to its plane. And if a god returns to its plane after you just, quote unquote, killed it, that god is pretty pissed off probably now and might be coming back with a whole force of angels or whatever it is. Yeah. I think that the killing of a god should always be something that is pretty epic because of all these built up uh, stigmas that it has to fit into either. And one of the things that you mentioned was like, not only like, does it, does another God have to kill a God or one of the things you said was, what about it? Something that the God has, cr another God has created. I like the idea a lot of like God killer weapons, these amazing weapons that were created by gods to kill another God. And I also like the idea of like the gods hating those weapons, even when they do create them because they create them to kill another God. But then they're like, Oh wait, hold on. I just created something that could destroy me. Oh gosh, we yep. got to get rid of this thing and Every having to go time. on this long quest. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is the problem with it. If you make a weapon strong enough to kill a God, it's probably strong enough to resist being just being destroyed by a God. Mm -hmm. It would have to be in order to function. Yeah. Yeah. You might use it for the task of destroying your enemy God. Right. But then what do you do with this thing? You don't really want to keep it around your house like because how do we get rid of this? That sword's coming back to haunt you. You're yeah, going exactly. to you, you live forever. That sword's coming back to haunt you at some point. <laughs> so I think my answer and I, I don't want to try and act like I'm sounding too profound, but how does a god die? The immediate response that I have is with a purpose. You don't do it idly. The you know, look at all the things that we've talked about, like lining things up to even attempt to accomplish it. And it could also happen outside of your party. It could happen between two gods, but there needs to be a very specific purpose that you're going to have that kind of thing happen inside your world because of 
what will eventually lead to and all the things that that death should mean for your world and how it would shake it up and what that means for your campaign, for your players and all of that stuff. So yeah, don't, don't just do it willy nilly. <laughs> I like the idea. I just rolled um, a, I rolled a D 20 and this one died yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. No more D 20. Gods would be dying all the time. Not even a D hundred. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I like that idea of, if a god created a god killer weapon uh, and then like going and hiding it in some sort, I like the idea of who is the god that it created it to kill? Did they kill that god? And then what about those worshipers of those god, of that god? Do they then go, we need to find that weapon and kill the god who created it as like a revenge mission? Like I feel like that would be a really cool campaign if you were all paladins of a of a murdered god. And now your only mission is to and it's funny, Neil, because that kind of goes against what you're saying of don't do something just willy nilly like it's going to have terrible consequences. But a bunch of paladins who worshipped a god who was just killed, their minds would be I feel like just be set on like we need to avenge the yeah. one who we need revenge. Yeah. Yep. And maybe they would even believe that that might bring him back or bring the god back. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be excellent. And a paladin revenge mission. Like yeah. that would, they've already lost all their powers. They don't have to worry about like doing the wrong thing. Like, I mean, it's not like they, they would completely lose their morals, but at the same time, I feel like with the death of their God, they're, they're on edge and they're going to make some really edgy decisions because of it. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. Cause the second arc is totally them figuring out who do they feel that they can follow after that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you keep your faith when your god is dead? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and how to uh if that god is replaced, but now you've created all these <laughs> you've done all these atrocious things in the revenge seeking, can you go back or are you completely changed at this point and you yourself are just like I'm not even worthy. Like I can't do it. Yeah. I'm sure there'd be a couple of me and and the, is it worth it cuz if you do if you truly do believe in this god is it worth it to sack to sell, basically sell your own soul in order to bring this god back isn't that the greater good? Yeah. These are all I feel like tied up into like the next thing that we want to talk about with uh is the consequences to a world when a god dies. Uh we're already kind of talking about it in a smaller form with like oh like a worshipper and how does the worshipper go on being who they were, worshiping this gods, idealizing the things that they loved and worshipped, and then their god is dead. What are some consequences, maybe focusing in on that or beyond that, that happen to a world when a god dies? I, there's several, because in, in, in just a world where gods exist and gods walk around and no one's really agnostic or atheist because you can point and say, well, they're right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. People literally see gods and the act of gods within their lifetime. Everyone has seen something happen in a world like this. It just happens all the time. Cities will vanish or people will descend from the sky or you see a dragon. I mean, you're, you're, you're <laughs> going to believe in gods in these worlds. So when one of them vanishes, when one of them is taken away, it would create such a titanic void. And in people that are already trained to feel insignificant because there are gods watch, you know, walking around, to then see a god fall, see a god die, would make you feel even that much more insignificant. Because if they can get wiped out, what about us? So I think that would have a profound effect on a people. Just mechanically, as far as Dungeon and Dragons, there are serious concepts 
consequences because without that God, logically, their followers and worshipers cannot, their divine ones, cannot regain their spells. And that is a huge problem for them. One of the reasons why I killed all the gods in my world was so I could wipe out magic, at least for a time in the world before bringing it back. Because a D&D world without magic, you really see where the problems of technology not developing have come in. So now they have to turn back onto themselves and without all this, you know, God cheating power, basically, you know, who are we as people and what can we actually do? And it kind of like, you know, it flips it. It forces the humans and the dwarves and the elves to then become their own gods because someone needs to take up the range. You can't just have a power vacuum like that vanish. I mean, with the entire structures of the churches falling and all of their worshipers falling into chaos and fear, someone's going to have to control that. I even wonder, like, does the death of a god then kind of spiral with its into its followers, too? Like, if there is a god killing another god and that god wins, do then all the worshippers of the victorious god look at the powerless? Like, you're bringing up the fact that what happens to their to their prayers and their spells and their magic that came from their god? Well, there's none of that then. Is then it this terrible holy war where the worshipers of the victorious God go, well, our God killed the other God. Should we now then go and wipe out the rest of his followers? It creates a, it creates this very dark religious uh, war in this dark time that could be yep. uh, over a country, over the world of just followers of a God going and seeking out and trying to kill and just wipe the earth of other worshipers of this dead God. Like, well, yep. this is what we have to do in order to serve the one who we serve. My oh. God hated you and your ideas so much that he killed them mm-hmm. or they or she killed them or they killed them. And therefore I now have to make it my quest to make sure that all of their followers are also killed. It makes a certain horrible logical sense. I mean, if you really do believe, yeah. yeah. It's it's a terrifying like place to have your PCs drop into a world where this is going. And it's terrifying no matter what you do. It it doesn't matter if the god that won is a god of like of good things or bad things. This on this holy quote-unquote war that's being set um into motion is it's going to be like a genocide. That's just a terrible thing. And it, yeah, it'd be interesting to play PCs in a world where your job is to like help the people who are being hunted. Like that would yeah. be a very interesting campaign, a very dark, terrifying campaign. But especially if, if, if it was a evil God that got wiped out and maybe some of his followers weren't doing great things, but maybe they were just like, look, we were just in the temple guards. We hadn't, we hadn't, we, we hadn't got past the first, step of the pamphlet, right? So they were just people, right? You know, they just wanted a couple gold and a clean place to sleep and a bed and food, right? So they might not have been ultimately evil and they're on the run for the rest of their lives now. That would, it would be an interesting way, you know, and if you put the PCs in that, if they're good PCs, they'd have to make a decision that would probably put them against most of society. And even if they are evil, it calls into like question your morals as a, as a, player as a PC, like when you run into someone who's powerless and even if they had done evil things, like if they did drop to their knees and say, I surrender, I surrender, but you're under orders to like, just wipe them out. Like, what do you do then? Like you, you say you stand for these things, but 
because the the head of the church or whatever it is that you, you know, is pushing you to do this. Like, do you just blindly follow or do you step up and say, whoa, 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 let's analyze what we're doing for a second. This is exactly what we say we don't stand for. And just because they like, OK, let's do this in the right way. <laughs> it would if if there was a good God that killed a bad God and took over that bad God's portfolio and then all of a sudden you're having to seek down and destroy all the old followers of this old God, and it, it keeps getting warped more and more and more. You could see that arc is like that that good God becoming corrupted by what it has destroyed. And so eventually there's going to have to be a turn where the players are like, oh, <laughs> this is not what we had intended. You know, yeah, that could be an excellent campaign. I still think that the best or the idea that's intriguing me the most is the one you brought up, Aram. What if nobody picks it up? Yeah. What if there, for whatever reason, was a coup and somebody for some reason kills the god of death and no one picks up their portfolio? Now death has stopped. Yes. And maybe there's a quest to, like, that's the quest is figure out, we got to turn this back on. Yeah. Like, we can't have, we can't have have a world without death. Yeah, we can't operate under these parameters now. We have to figure out how to turn death back on. And, like, oh. Everyone... Everyone plays world where death doesn't operate. Like, what if people don't die? You know, and some of them go like, what if animals don't die? But like, what if trees don't drop their leaves? What if leaves don't decay? What if, what if, what? I mean, death is needed in all aspects of what we do. What if our cells don't divide? What if, what if it has to do with the afterlife and there is no underworld? And so when people die, their ghosts raise up and are just stuck. And that happens to every person that dies. Right, because we'd all just merge at them. They got to go somewhere. That's going to make a terrifying world. Yeah. Well, the other thing I can think of is because I'm a bad person. And I think as a DM, we can all fit into that role at times. Yes. But the people that they would lose along the way, knowing that when they are successful, they actually lose them. Yeah, And possibly lose them again. Like someone in the campaign could die. This event could happen. They could come back, rejoin the party, knowing that they're just on an inevitable march to their own re-demise. Yeah, it could literally be all the PCs know that as soon as they, like they've reached the point where they know that once they accomplish their task, they will immediately perish. Yeah, I, I think that this like the death thing is definitely super interesting, but it even goes beyond that of like you take any like domain of any God and you say, what if that thing no longer has a God and thus then stops if that's the way mm-hmm. that it works in your world? Like God of love, all of a sudden there's no love. Like that's pretty terrible. God of nature, like all of a sudden, like the like talking about the leaves falling, all the leaves do fall. The trees all wither like I mean, that. How does a world survive without the god of nature, the god of seas? Like, do the seas just the water just all? What is the word I'm looking for <laughs> when the water just vanish yeah, or just the, go the slack? Water just like, just yeah, still. exactly. Or yeah. does it just create this chaos of uh, the seas are just always in this perpetual storm? Or does the water start to like even grow to the point where it's starting to overtake land? There, like yeah. anything you take away as far as a uh, god's domain, if you do without it in a world. It just sets it into utter chaos. 
It has to. I mean, it's a hugely powerful force that runs the entire world, so it has to. Now, Aram, I know that you said in uh, The World of God's Fall, you killed the gods off so you could have this time without magic. Uh, I want to kind of key in on one specific type of magic, and we kind of were already talking about, like, death already, because this is something that in my world, the gods didn't die, but they decided that they were no longer going. They kind of had a a council of gods, and they decided – no more of this. Uh, we are done with this. And so resurrection magic completely taken out at a certain point yeah. in my world, which changes the way that heroes go into battle. And so that happened in your world with no magic. Like there's no resurrection. Uh, there's no healing. There's no healing as far in as my like world. Magical yeah. healing. How does that yeah. change a world? Well, I think I mean, that's what, what that's one of the reasons why I did it, because I haven't seen a convincing enough fantasy world yet that has all these elements, but has really taken it into account with how the society works. Because if you, if there was magical healing, if every naval ship had a cleric, if every town over over a couple hundred people had at least a third level a cleric who, who can who can cast lesser restoration several times a day, <laughs> that changes how the entire society would function. I mean, small injuries like even larger injuries like losing a finger or an entire hand or having a heart attack or whatever would all be like oh we'll just get them to the, just get them to the temple in time we tithe it, 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 it would just it would change how we view death and our own mortality and because i hadn't seen a good enough representation of that i needed to break that all down and destroy it and then build it back up slowly to see how it would change a world I think it's too hard just to layer that on top. We just, we were like, okay, so it's just like us, but magical healing. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, how often do, uh, does a D and D, um, group of players, uh, go into a dungeon like tomb of horrors or like name any classic dungeon and go, whoa, 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 nobody picked a cleric. How are we going to survive this? Like now times that by the entire world. And it's like nobody has a cleric, nobody has healing. It it real and it also throws into like, well, those those healing potions become a lot more valuable than like and they're they have to be used sparingly and they become like yep. a, a large healing potion, a greater healing potion could become an artifact that's just like, oh my gosh, this thing does this amazing thing. Oh, exactly. Any little thing that they come across, any artifact of the old world now becomes so much more Im- important. I mean if you look at Sting from Lord of the Rings, it's what, a plus one short sword, right? <laughs> I didn't think you meant that Sting for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the musical artist. Right. It's really left here, but get track with me, guys. Like, We're going to talk about Sting real quick. with this? <laughs> no, the wrestler. The wrestler yeah, from right. the early 2000s. Come yeah. on, here we go. <laughs> I mean, it's just a plus one short sword that does like maybe double damage to arachnids. That's it. That's all yeah. it is, right? And it senses when orcs are near. Right? That is some low-level magic. You would discard that sword by level six. Yeah, as far as D&D, somebody, a D&D player would get that and be like, what's next? What else is in that box? Exactly. By level six, that's gone. They've discarded, or it's a backup weapon you hand to the, you know, wizard, right? I mean, that- I guess we can sell this in town. <laughs> right, no. These, these things, they should have impact. They should be items the character keeps with them forever, and there should be reasons that they keep- these items forever. So I just kind of wanted to restructure a bit how magic worked and what the expectations were. And what I really wanted to get rid of is this idea that we need to gather as much gold as possible so we can go to the largest city on the map and treat it and then treat the Dungeon Master's Guide like a shopping list. Because that just 
kills all believability in a world yep. for me. But in a world where magic has been so commoditized, you have to expect that. And until one gets, or until I write one or someone writes one that I feel like it's, <laughs> it's been done right, I had to blow it up. And Killing the Gods was part of that. So I don't think we touched on this, but the other thing that I thought of was one of the consequences is what it does to the rest of whatever pantheon you're using. Because if they didn't know that that was possible, and now they do, everyone in that pantheon will operate under, under a very different way. Or if or if it's a known quantity, then they've always been operating under that idea that they could die, so they need to make sure that they don't. Um, but just tossing that out there, that if you decide that a god can die in your world, understand that the way your gods will approach just being is going to be different than if they cannot. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it also like opens up the like, well, if we're, if we're going with the, it's a weapon that's created by a God that needs to be used to kill a God, that one God who kills the other God with the weapon. How do the other gods look at him now? Like, is it fear? Is it like he becomes then the man in charge uh, over all of the pantheon or are all the other gods like, uh, we need to destroy this guy now. Does it open up the door to, one god dies, and then all of a sudden there's a, a war of the gods because, whoa, 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 we don't do that. You just cross the line, and the ones that support the god who was in charge of the killing are like, whoa, whoa, well, guess what? We do support this. And yeah, it just it creates chaos, which gods of chaos are going to love. Yeah, in any society where there are gods, these gods have existed. It's like they've, they, they've been around for 100 years. They've been around for thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of eons of years. There's been an order. There's been an establishment. If they can kill each other, then they've had very, very firm rules in place so they don't. I, I think we kind of tend to view as people who have grown up in the atomic age, right? In the post-atomic age, gods are nuclear weapons. And if one goes off, if one is actually launched, then everyone's going to launch. That's how I've always kind of viewed them. At least that's what happened in our world. That is, it's exactly what I was thinking of. You know, let's say it's a. I keep going back to the God Killer Sword because I played way too much Infinity Blade when it came out. <laughs> but you know, so that's what one person could have. What if someone else has a wand? What if someone else has mm -hmm. this? And everyone is essentially doing. You know, you see those images of our world and the stacking towers of like who has how many nuclear weapons, and like you just that's how the pantheon operates until they don't operate that way anymore. Totally. And it's not going to be one weapon, because as soon as one god makes a god-killing weapon, you know every god's going to want a god-killing weapon. There's going to be a god-killing Batman who's got like a whole <laughs> chest, and for yeah. each god, they've got a different weapon to take them out. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it would be really interesting if there was this caveat to the weapons that gods themselves could not wield. Right. The weapons created like like a God creates the first God killer weapon, then goes to pick it up. And because it's made of this material that like can kill them, they can't even hold it, it. like burns yeah. their hand. They're not able to pick it up. And then thus all of these weapons that get created, the gods are like, oh, man, I can't use this. And so they start recruiting like mortals to do their deeds for them, like their worshipers. And therein lies like a whole campaign yeah. where you are mortals, worshippers of this god or gods, like a pantheon of gods who are like given these god killing weapons. That's like, all right, you are going to do my evil deed for me. And if the gods can't hold the weapons, then maybe the faithful can't either. So it would have to be people <laughs> with no faith, right? Because if you, because those without faith would also be wounded, or at least when they held yeah. the weapons, couldn't use their faith. 
They couldn't cast their spells. They'd have no connection to their God. So it'd have to be either people who are faithless or are willing to sacrifice their faith upon picking up these weapons in order to go fight these these gods. I love that. Yeah. Like the idea of like a god recruiting a mortal that is just like, I don't care about you. And just like having to be like, listen, listen, I know you don't care about me. But, but I promise you wealth and power and this and that is all right. Or or like you said, a faithful like a, a a paladin who's like, I love you so much that I will become a fallen paladin and do these terrible things like I will lose my soul for this yeah. because I care about you so much. And it could be a mixed bag. Like some of them could be hired yeah. mercenaries. Some of them could be fallen faithful. That'd be a great oh campaign. Oh, my gosh. I also like planting a cleric into a group and like that's their ulterior motive the whole time is convincing the fighter to like go get the weapon so that they can go kill a god. Awesome. Anything else we want to talk about with consequences or do we want to jump into the unoccupied throne discussion? I have a extremely selfish question I want to ask Aram. Okay. Do it. What would happen in definitely if you don't want to answer this, don't answer this. But what would happen if one of the gods were to die now in God's fall? Oh, like one of the Arisen gods? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question because it's happened already. An Arisen god has died. I, I think that this has been kicked around by fans enough that I can talk about this, but Para's brother was the original god of the sun. All these visions about this terrible, you know, destructive god of the sun, those visions were of Para's brother, not of him. This is why this person looks so much like Para when they were having them. So in my world, again, the... The power's got to go somewhere. The sun's always going to rise. There will always be a god of the sun. You can't destroy, unless you destroy the sun, right? You'd have Ooh. to go to the core of the thing. If you want to destroy the god of the oceans, you got to drain the oceans, right? As long, Those things will exist beyond them and will always rebirth a new god. It's not the gods themselves. It's the perceptions that create these things. People believe in love. People believe in war. People believe in these ideas. Without them, they don't exist. But as long as those people exist, they will always exist. And so that's how I saw how the gods and the energies that power these gods in my world would work. That's a, I mean, not to, not to segue back to the like beginning of how a god can die, but that's a perfect other example too. Yeah. It's like if, if whatever that domain is no longer exists, if you have a god of the sun and the sun is destroyed. Maybe in your world, that means that, you know, when the sun dies, so does the sun god. If the entire planet stops hoping, the god of hope dies. Yeah, it's that's another really cool way that you can have a god die, whether it just be like happenstance of like how this world got to this point. Or, you know, I think a lot of what we've talked about is like, doing these campaigns where it's like, oh, the the mission, the goal is to destroy this god at the end or whatever it is. Like, if the only way a god can die is of the sun, it's like, all right, all right, boys, this campaign, guess what we got to do? <laughs> yep. Got to kill the sun. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I thought you guys were going to say roll roll up wizards. <laughs> it was the only logical conclusion. Okay, everyone, we're going to be a wizard. And okay, we blew up the sun. We got it. <laughs> what can we use? Fireball? Oh, no, that won't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've talked about this a little bit with uh, a god dies and then their domains are up for grabs, their throne, as it were, is unoccupied. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that more. Like a god dies and there is a crown, there is a throne, there is a position that is opened up. Clearly, whether it's gods or mortals, 
that position is going to be coveted by some. So how does that throne get filled? Who wears that crown? How do they obtain it? <laughs> Through a housing lottery. <laughs> the, I mean, but I say that, but it's not unreasonable to think that if they're, you know, like Aram, you had mentioned, there's so much structure because they have been living and thinking for aeons. There could be a very reasonable method by which all these portfolios are up for grabs. Mm -hmm. If you would like one, you need to essentially sacrifice part of your own power to take that. And then the leftovers, maybe we all as a collective pantheon decide who should be elevated into that position and take over these things that now are uncontrolled. Or even just like, who do we elevate into that position to fill that void? But like the pantheon working together and then like you can get into like deity, political intrigue, all kinds of crazy things. But I I mean, like I said, I think there could definitely be a very structured method by which that gets filled. Well, there'd have to be some because otherwise they would just be killed. I mean, if it's Highlander style <laughs> and the gods, you know, I've killed you so I get your whole portfolio, they'd just be knocking each other off left and right. That'd be the only reason for them to exist. Once you're a god, what else is there to be but all gods, right? Mm -hmm. So there'd have you you would think in there for there to be any semblance of normality, there'd have to be some sort of tribunal that would decide, you know, look at all the factors, like, well, you know, maybe it was a clean kill. Like this, okay, you know, you were defending yourself. So, you know, winner takes all. But if it was a murder, they could be like, Well, you know, we're gonna keep these. That does it seems like it would establish more order. That's like you know, you brought up like, well, if there's not an if there's not an order, like, then aren't the gods just going to be all for themselves? And like, well, I w I am a god of this, but I want to be a god of this. That's like a terrifying idea of you know, one god comes into some sort of power, whether it's a god weapon or like god armor. That it's like they create this amazing armor that makes it so they cannot be killed by other gods, and then they're just going around one by one killing other gods and taking their domains. And I like the idea of, because they're gods. I like the idea of it, like working differently than like a mortal killing another mortal. Like the God kills another God. And like having that idea of like these crowns that they wear and he just picks up the one crown. He takes his own crown and like, rather than clinking against each other, they, he just holds them up and it melds into another crown. That's like a morphed version of both of them together. Sure. And I, I picture at the end of the day, this god would look like this terrifying beast uh, with just a mix of all, all these domains together. And then you have to ask yourself the question, too, of how what happens to a god who is the god of law that then melds and also takes on the god of chaos and becomes the god of law and chaos and earth and see and like does it work together and balance or does it start to even rip that god apart and it starts to work in a negative way yeah maybe if you had a god that got to some apotheosis where they're like the only way for there to ever be peace is for one god to have all of these connect i need to be the mm -hmm. god of war and peace to have balance i need hate and love to have balance and the only way there ever will be balance if it's only me so they could go be going into it with a truly utopian kind of view this will work but the sacrifice that would take is too much for most to bear it's fine if you're the person yeah. do they become the mad the mad god that is in right. charge of everything that would be a terrifying world to be a part of <laughs> it would be a horrifying world
and can't maybe maybe they can't like balance things like the ocean starts floating in the air and the sky is in the ocean and like it because they've forgotten where these things go or they didn't know in the first place or maybe that is balance balance to a the, to that god would be a hugely hugely different concept than balance is to you or I what if balance means 50% earth 50% water so you have to rearrange all the continents and drain half the seas. I mean, what is balance at a certain point? Is it half light, half day? Is it half cold, half warm? Is it half hate, half love? Do six months out of the year are consumed with war? Like, what does balance mean? And that seems like a horrifying world to be thrown into. I love the idea of like the end of this campaign with the PCs. They're going on this mission. They, It's like, you need to kill this god. Yep, that's right. This one god who's killed all the other gods, you need to kill him. And you build this campaign up, and at the end, they find this god, he's in his throne, he's like this mix of all these things, and they're just going crazy, and he looks at you as a PCs, the god killer weapon is on the ground, and he just like mutters like, please kill me, please kill me. And that's like the end thing that- sanity. Yeah, yeah, like he's just like, put me out of my misery, and then I, I imagine the world goes- like what happens to the world after that? Like, is it destroyed or do you create a world like God's fall where it's like, there's no magic for a time. Uh, and mm-hmm. maybe after years, like these positions are replaced, but, but yeah, it's it just, you know, this God that can't handle all that power. That's an interesting idea. I also envision like an actual manila folder. I know you're talking about <laughs> crowns and it was really cool, but then like they just have a manila folder and it's their actual portfolio. I can't get that image <laughs> out I of lo- my head. I love that too because I don't know. That reminds me of the uh, Stars adaptation of uh, American Gods where they take like these crazy divine ideas, but they put this like very realistic feel to it. Like, Getting to getting to this god and like he's in a business suit and he's got a, a a case of files and those are his powers and his like laws and such and that's how it's like foreseen as yeah the other one I thought of was when a god dies a division of power in that and it makes me think of when I forget what in Marvel comics just we'll say that much and I'm absolved of anything I say now <laughs> so the Phoenix force is coming to the earth and they stop it but it ends up splitting into five hmm. yes. and they each have a piece of the Phoenix force what if like that was the mentality is like you kill someone and it splits hmm. what if that's just like perpetually was the quest as well to like divide the power of the gods amongst as many people as possible to try and spread that out for that same idea of it working better because more people have more ideas and smaller amounts of power to try and make everything work. Right. So there's a war council. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time you kill it splits. Yeah. I like that. So that more people are responsible. And eventually everybody's going to be a part God. That's. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that well, that would be the call in the end if humanity found a way to kill off all the gods and we all became a little bit of that god. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, actually, there is a comic, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it, but there's a comic out right now where every single human being has their own god. Hmm. And I wish I could remember what it was called because it's so well done. And like, they all have different powers and different abilities and the commerce is then in divinity. So like, if you need a favor from my god, that power diminishes slightly. And that tells this. So some gods become incredibly powerful and some gods become like just little gods on your shoulder, but they all have their own. It, it, it was fascinating. I wish I could remember the name of it. 
<laughs> well, if you remember the name of it, uh, let us know and we'll put it in the show. Notes. I will. <laughs> Perfect. I'm just trying to think of like, yeah, I mean, the, the way that we, it's interesting that you brought up superheroes, though, because I think it's how we look at pantheons of gods now. Like, like superheroes are our new gods. There are Thors mm. and, you, you know, I mean, some of them are direct analogies. Some of them actually are yeah, Thor. Like Thor. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But, but they, they are our new mythos. And so I think that, I, again, when we talked about like when you kill a god, how important it is, comics are a great underlying aspect of that no one cares if superman dies no one cares because they're not going to keep them dead they're not going to keep spider-man dead they're not going to keep captain america dead they're all coming back i don't how many times has wolverine died how many different versions of them are there they're like five of them now i think right and they won't they won't stick to any of it they're just going to bring it all back and then at some point 10 years from now they'll just reboot and now Spider-Man is a teenager again, and no one has suffered any consequences whatsoever. And gods are set up in that same way. They don't change. They're just these static things that will always be there. And without that effort to change and expand and have real consequences, I think it really diminishes the world you're trying to build. Hmm. Nope. Yep. The, at most, when a superhero passes away, you can be confused. Like, why aren't they back yet? That's the, that's the most feeling you have. Why is there a two-page funeral a splash when every single person there knows that dude is coming back? <laughs> that's well, they, they should know. I would love to see one time when they're burying a superhero when everyone's just like looking at their watch, you know, like, you know, Never comes back. all right, all right, let's get this. In. You know he's going to be back in three months. <laughs> yeah, if a superhero just completely disappears, it's usually because... It's like, oh, that didn't work out. We're never touching that guy again. And it's like, it's it's not a death thing. It's just a, oh boy, that character sucked. <laughs> right, what a bad idea. No one has a funeral in comics for bad ideas. But then usually somebody still sees that as a challenge and goes like 30 years later, like, I'm going to bring that guy back and I'm going to make yeah. him great. <laughs> you know who the king of that is? Gail Simone. Gail mm. Simone can take any absurd, ridiculous character and make them iconic. She has just a masterful way of doing it. She took King Shark and made him into such a lovable character. It was She's amazing. Read anything by her. Okay. Awesome. Well, hopefully we have given you more than enough information to frustrate you with too many ideas to implement <laughs> in your world. But if you want even more ideas... Aram, where could people go to hear more or see more of what you've been doing? Well, all the podcasts that we've been working on are at our new podcasting collective, NeonRival.com. If you want to check out the world book I've written for God's Fall, that's at worldbook.godsfall.com. And I'm working on one more show that will be will be coming out sometime in 2018. That's a modern-day superhero show located in Chicago. And if you want to find out more about that as I work on it, that'll be at evolutionearth.com uh, and evolutionearth at Twitter. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, so go check out all of those things. Keep your eyes and your ears open for that new superhero show. I'm excited for that, superheroes. I've seen a little bit of that on Twitter. You're... Uh, you love those costumes. <laughs> I do. I do like to tease a little it's, bit at a, a time. Po- it's a podcast. And I, all I see is like, here's the pictures of the costumes. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, now, it, it does using a lot of visuals that I, I do tend mm-hmm. to. But for this particular one, every single character who's playing a character in the show is also going to be playing a, polit- a politician or a reporter oh, or nice. some other type of 
of person who would be getting media out about what's happening in the world, there's going to be video and photography and oh, on scene awesome. location thing that'll all be added. There'll be a whole, the whole website for it is basically going to be a local magazine covering these events and we'll be recapping them as news stories. So it's going to be kind of tying in different media in order to make the show happen. So these costumes are actually being made then. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's I'm fantastic. trying, I'm trying to figure Ooh. out how to get, a uh, British riot shield right now. Like there's certain things I need that we don't have to go to eBay for, but yeah, I'm really going to make this into a full visual thing. That's awesome. And then we get uh, five seasons of a podcast and a movie, right? That's what the plan yeah, is. We, that'll be great. I'll take it. I'll take any, I'll take any check. I can be, I can be bought real easily. <laughs> Aram, thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Yes. Uh, it is always a pleasure. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be having you back on sometime in the future. That sounds excellent. Fortunately, I've been out of the hospital long enough to, you know, be able to commit to a time. So hopefully yes. that'll be true in the future as well. And with that, let's head to the mailbag of holding. But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? So for today's mailbag, I am not alone. Instead, I am here with Mitch. And we're gonna hey. tack we're gonna tackle an email that we got from DM Sam. And they needed a bit of advice because they have a player that has an interesting character choice that they have some questions about. Essentially, their player wants to play as a half-dragon fighter in 5th edition, just like they did in 3rd edition. 3rd edition was a little long in the tooth, pun intended, and that was an option by the end, and it was pretty OP at times. And they were just asking how would we approach it, and if there is any like official ruling on whether or not that could happen. So essentially, their player is trying to be a half-dragon in 5th edition, yep. and like over-the-top half-dragon, like level, like 30 strength at level 1, the crazy dual-wielding, gotcha. and Gotcha. Breath weapons everywhere. So um, I did some research, and the first thing I found was that Jeremy Crawford himself says the Dragonborn are a race, whereas Half Dragon is a template that can be applied to certain creatures. So I would personally say that no, that is not an option for a player to start out as. Yeah, I I agree, and it's tough because as as the DM. This is something we say on the show all the time. Like you're there for your players to have a good time. Sometimes it the most appropriate thing is to say no to a player because in doing so, you are watching out for the other players, uh, allowing a player to do whatever they want as far as um, whatever character they want, whatever race they want can lead to an unbalanced game. And I have personally been a player at tables and I used to be a DM where I allowed there a lot of things that I wouldn't allow today and I've seen players and I've felt it as a player where it was just like oh my gosh that one player with his or her PC is just overpowered is doing all the damage and felt a little worthless and that's something you got to watch out for you don't want everybody else to suffer because of that yeah and the other thing is, you know, it was brought up that DM Sam had asked if they wanted to be a dragonborn, which I feel is the perfect answer or alternative of here's something yeah. that's sanctioned as a race, but they wanted to be this thing. And so, like you had mentioned, the approach of saying, well, if you did this 
and everyone else did that, there would be almost no purpose for the rest of your party members in turn making it not fun for everyone else, which I totally experienced in third edition with someone who was a half dragon. (laughs) Of course, we always would say to strive to do your best to come to a decision with that player and work with them to make a compromise. Give, but yeah, it's hard because that Dragonborn seems like a perfect compromise in that and looking for that feel. But yeah, be able to protect the the game for your other players as well. Do it with all the kindness that you're able to muster. So that's all we have for the mailbag. And we just want to thank you, DM Sam, for sending in that message. Well, that's all we have for you today at the Dungeon Masters blog, but we just want to thank Aram for coming back on. And honestly, I feel like this was one that was just chock full of inspiration, just a lot of fun for us to record and hopefully gave you some great ideas on how to kill a god in your own world. If people wanted to message us, though, and tell us about when they killed a god, how would they do it? Well, it's as simple as writing us a message at Dungeon Master Block at gmail.com just send us an email there and we will get to it as soon as we can and it might feature in a mailbag of holding if you like the show please consider taking a little bit of your time going to itunes and leaving us a review if it's five stars we will read it on the air as we do at the beginning of every episode and you can also head over to Twitter and follow us at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block or like us on Facebook where you can catch all of the episodes as they come out or all of the memes and other stuff that we post. We have a Patreon member shout out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout out goes to Joe Thank you so much, Joe, for your support of our show. What kind of dragon uh, is Joe Clay, Neil? He's a clay dragon. Oh, my gosh. He is a gold dragon. (laughs) So thank you so much. We appreciate your support. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like The GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. But that's it from us here at the Dungeon Masters Block the place where we focus on the dungeon master the most important person in the game the only person capable of playing god killing characters and lowering the ego of all of the other people at the table i'm dm neil good night and good luck and keep on dungeon mastering we do and the first oh my Gosh, I went to the wrong tab. <laughs> and the <laughs> sorry, why I don't know why these are getting me getting me today. You're so, so the giggly. Next, the next review comes from Dragon's Blood Cur- <laughs> Curry. I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, Goodbye.